Hello and welcome to episode 41 of Coffee with Kush. We are uh, continuing our psychology and marketing series. Today I'm going to be talking about the framing effect. It's often combined with anchoring, but we're going to talk specifically about the framing effect and we'll, we'll talk about anchoring as and, and when it comes up. So essentially, the framing effect is a cognitive bias, okay, which basically states that a position on a particular view changes based on the initial information that a person receives or how that view is framed, all right? So you may not recognize this effect um, in terms of being a call, it being called the framing effect, but you will recognize it in almost all of marketing, but certainly in political life uh, and in lots of other areas of life too. Whenever anyone's making an argument or giving a speech, you will notice the framing effect sort of being used liberally to change people's decisions. Now, essentially, that's what the framing effect is used for. <clears throat> it's used to influence someone's decision by giving them a certain piece of information first, setting the frame, if you like, for the decision-making process. And framing can be in the positive or it can be in the negative, all right? So you can frame something positively, which will produce a certain outcome, or you can frame something negatively, which will produce a different outcome. And as always, I'm gonna get into the science in a minute and how it's applied in, like, in, in the marketing world. Framing is like heavily context dependent. Like all of these things, you can't force someone to do something, but basically framing, framing is a heuristic a heuristic is essentially a learned behavior that you've repeated over time and it's sort of like a, you, you hit the trigger and the response comes afterward. And so framing is a heuristic and therefore um, in the right context, if you use that heuristic, if you use the framing effect, you'll get a disproportionate answer one way or the other, depending on what it is that you're trying to do. In marketing, it's used a lot. Obviously in pricing, it's used a lot. Um, and it's used to influence how people perceive products. It's a very heavy element of behavioral economics um, to the extent where people, you know, make irrational decisions based on the framing effect. And in fact, the framing effect is so powerful that in life and death decisions, it influences whether people choose one direction or another direction. I mean, it is that powerful. The framing effect is so powerful that it can literally influence life and death decisions. Um, it can be very emotionally driven as well. Like all of these sort of psychological effects, emotions play a large part in sort of creating the behavior that the effect is used for. So let's get into the science first. <clears throat> uh, one of the main studies that demonstrates the framing effect um, happened in the 60s where they asked a group of participants to um, discuss a, a disease. They called it the Asian disease. And uh, this disease killed, sort of, in the hypothetical scenario, they, the disease killed um, 600 people. And they were given, basically, two alternative programs to combat, combat the disease. The first one was positioned in terms of saving lives, i.e., a positive frame, right? So it was saying, 
you can save 200 lives for sure by taking this um, action. Or it was framed as you will lose 400 lives by taking this action. Now, statistically, that's exactly the same um, outcome for the, for the disease treatment, right? But significantly more people chose to save 200 lives than lose 400 lives by taking this particular course of action. Which, of course, logically makes no sense at all, right? It makes no sense because they're basically the same thing. You're either going to save 200 people or kill 400 people. And if you're killing 400 people, you're saving 200 people. And if you're saving 200 people, you're killing 400 people. But because the question was framed as saving versus losing, people chose the positive frame significantly more often than they would choose the, the negative frame. Another example that you'll see in the supermarket almost every day, whenever you go to a supermarket, if you go to the mince meat section, um, they'll have the fat component, right? So they did an experiment where they labelled uh, mincemeat as 25% fat or 75% lean. Now that is entirely the same thing. If it's 75% lean, it's 25% fat. But they only framed it, they, the, the labelling said either 25% fat or 75% lean. And sales significantly increased when it was labelled as 75% lean. Again, illogical, but this is the framing effect. And positive framing in particular can drive specific actions. Uh, another example in the science is um, a, a group of um, participants were given um, investment options for their retirement fund. So they had their retirement fund, and the options were positioned as either um, high risk or high return. Now, they're both the same thing. High risk is high return. High return is high risk. Because in terms of investments, that's just how it works. But again, when it was framed as being potentially high return or potentially high risk, it made a massive difference in their investment decisions. And unsurprisingly, when it was framed as potentially high returns, significantly more people opted to put their retirement fund into those investments. The final one, which is a daily occurrence in hospitals and has really huge ethical implications, is around the efficacy of uh, operations. Right? So let's say that there is an operation, this is a specific study that was done, where the mortality rate of an operation was 10%. Therefore, the survival rate is 90%. So, um, what the hospital found was that by telling patients that they had a 90% survival rate, they saw significantly more patients opt into the procedure versus telling them they had a 10% mortality rate. Now, this is literally life and death. And the only variable in the information is how it was framed. There is nothing else that's changed. 
The actual operation is the same operation. The efficacy of the operation is the same as, as, as uh, in both cases. The only thing that's changed is telling the patient that they had a 90% chance of living versus telling them they had a 10% chance of dying. So the ethical implications with framing are really massive and really significant because this effect is so powerful that it, it makes people make illogical decisions in certain circumstances. To the point where if you go back to them and describe the illogical de decision, they're unable to decipher why they made that decision in the first place. So like all of these psychological um, techniques, it's really important to understand why they work, how they work, and to use them ethically in the, in the right context. So again, there's lots of experiments that have happened in marketing too. I think probably the most uh, famous experiment around framing is with The Economist. So when The Economist uh, magazine, it used to be a magazine, physical magazine, I think it still is a physical magazine, but when it was moving online, um, it offered users three price options for an Economist subscription. Price option number one was $59 for print only. Price option number two was $125 <clears throat> for online only. Price option number three was $125 for print and online. All right? Then they removed the online only option. So it became $59 versus a combo offer of print and online for $125. And they saw a significant reduction in the number of people taking the combo offer. Which is strange, right? Because the thing that they removed was actually a lower value thing. It was the middle product, online only, right? But by and it was the same price. But simply by removing that, it changed the frame of the question. And therefore, they saw a significant drop in the number of people subscribing to print and online. And of course, they um, brought that option back. Uh, in another example is... Um, anchoring someone to a higher price, therefore setting a frame for pricing. So I'm going to give actually a real example from um, my experience in, in this. So we don't pitch so much now, but when we were pitching back in the day, we would always, before we got to the pitch, the client would know that we, we weren't cheap. We weren't the cheapest in the market. We were an expensive agency or relatively expensive agency compared to others in the market. And so um, we had a long process that we would go through to do research and then we'd create a, a pitch and then we'd go and do the pitch. One of the first things that I would say at the start of the pitch is um, often clients ask us, why do we go through all of this effort? And, you know, when we're going to go through the whole presentation, then we're going to show pricing at the end. And I would say, well, the reason we don't show pricing at the start is because if I told you it was going to be $10,000 a month from now, you'd just switch off. But of course, it's not $10,000. Now, I would say it like that in like a jovial way. I'm only joking. It's not $10,000. But it's already been set. I've already set the frame. So now, consciously or subconsciously, the client is listening with this figure of $10,000 in his head. And he may even consciously or subconsciously be doing some mathematics. Well, if he was joking, maybe... Maybe it's like half of that, but still $5,000 is a lot, 
Okay. Then when we finally got to the final slide and the price was significantly less, they were like, oh, well, it wasn't that bad, actually. The price isn't so bad. It's pretty good, actually. It's, uh, it's a good price. Because I'd already, right at the start of the presentation, set the frame that it isn't $10,000. And then subconsciously, they would had that number in their mind. Um, sometimes there are like really subtle <clears throat> examples of framing. So a pretty famous e-commerce company um, run a, ran a split test of free shipping for orders of $50, of over $50. So the first wording was over $50. And the second wording, which is very slightly more positive, was free shipping for orders of $50 or more. So over $50 or $50 or more. And they saw an 8% increase in orders over $50 by having $50 or more. Which is only, like, linguistically, it's so similar, but there is a slight positive edge to the second one. So, you know, in marketing, the framing effect is used a lot. And it's, again, it's, it's often combined with, with anchoring, but <clears throat> you'll see it in product descriptions a lot. Focusing on the positive, focusing on like the positive elements or, and highlighting the positive attributes, uh, highlighting problems that it solves, but in the positive, uh, as opposed to anything else. That's why saving time and money is such a weak value proposition for any product. I worked for a company once um, where that, you know, they were insistent on having this, this value proposition of we save time and money. Yeah, but that's not really powerful. It's nowhere near as powerful as we'll significantly increase your revenue or we'll just increase your revenue. Like the positive element is so much more valuable than the negative. And so you still see this a lot. Like I, I still think that save time and money is such a weak value proposition. Uh, and, and yet so many still use it. So many companies and brands still use that as their main, main value proposition. The most common way people use uh, framing is in pricing. So um, in, a, in like a normal context, you'll see like a price, let's say $100 crossed out $75, all right? So you'll see the $100 first because the, the visual hierarchy and the design is such that you see $100, you're anchored, yeah? So you've got the frame in your mind of $100, then you see discounted to $75, and suddenly it's like, oh, that's not so expensive. Yeah, because it's, it's less. Um, and so, uh, because you're already anchored at $100. Now that's the most common version. A less common, but arguably more effective version is 30% off everything in this rack, okay? And arguably that's a better thing because people are doing mental mathematics, right? So they'll look at something that's $100 and they'll be like, okay, I want that and I want that and I want that. And then, you know, they'll essentially, when they get to the till, have a positive surprise at the fact that things are 30% off. Sometimes, by the way, you'll see in some shops, they'll say 20% off everything in this rack. When they get to the till, it's actually 50% off everything in the rack. And sometimes you'll see people, there's not a queue behind them. They'll go, wait, I want more things. And they'll go and get more stuff yeah, because they've been anchored to a set price already, then they realize, hold on, this is totally different, I can afford more, and they'll go and buy more stuff.
Um, obviously, sales promos. Sales promotions are a really good way of, uh, of framing things. A sale promo, particularly if it's combined with scarcity and urgency. So these, these are additional sort of um, principles. So scarcity being there's only 10 of these products left and urgency being uh, sale ends tomorrow, right? So if you are doing sales promos and you're combining both a discount with, with uh, urgency and, um, and a, a lack of availability, then essentially what you're doing is you're creating psychologically the perfect promo. Now, this can be used incredibly unethically and in a way that um, I think is, is starting to become negative. So sometimes you'll go to a website and there'll be a timer on the website. You know, it's counting down 17 hours left for this sales promo. And if you're a first time visitor, you may think, oh my God, right, I need to make a decision now. Versus, versus, um, you know, someone who comes regularly and, and knows that that time is always there and there's always some sort of sales promo. One example of a company that uses um, the framing effect really well though, is Amazon. So Amazon will have a timer on almost every product that says order in the next three hours and seven minutes to get your order tomorrow, right? So they're not offering you a discount. They're just saying if you, it's a, a factual piece of information, but it frames your decision-making. If you order in the next three hours, you'll be able to get this tomorrow, right? And so by setting that frame, you almost create urgency, but without deliberately trying to create urgency. Of course, um, customer testimonials uh, are, are sort of really valuable in framing as well. So when you get customer testimonials um, and uh, real customers are talking about the efficacy of your product or of your brand or of your service or whatever it is, then again, you're setting a frame for prospective people who are um, who are potentially going to be customers of yours in the future. So the framing effect is incredibly powerful. Um, and it's one of, of all of the, the, the effects that we're going to talk about in this series. I don't know if it's the most powerful, but it's certainly up there as one of the most powerful. And the reason I say that is because it can make people make illogical decisions. Like, the data would not support those decisions. You can find somebody who is incredibly risk-averse investing in risky investments based purely on how the financial services company framed the investment. Just wording. What were the words they used here versus here? And you can almost, you can see someone who is totally risk averse taking a risk without consciously believing that they're taking a risk. And the framing effect, I think that's why the framing effect is, is up there as the most powerful of the psychological principles in marketing. Like, for most people, making a life and death decision should never come down to a heuristic that exists in their mind. Should never come down to some sort of psychological effect, right? Most people would like to believe making a life and death decision is about logic and working through the logic of, a, of any given decision. And yet what the science shows is that simply by framing a decision as mortality versus survival, you can change someone's decision. You can make them choose a different path just by changing one word or framing, if you like, in a different way. And, and that's why I think that framing has such massive ethical implications. I mean, if you think about it, the NHS in the UK is the National Health Service. We pay our taxes in the UK and one of the benefits of those, those taxes 
are that you get free healthcare. Okay, it's not free because you pay your taxes, but essentially um, it's free at the point of service. Now, the motivation for the NHS is uh, partly to save money, yes, but, but ultimately patient welfare. They aren't necessarily targeted on income because there is no income for them. They have budgets every year and they work to those budgets. But what about a country like the US where healthcare is private? Now, if healthcare is private and you earn, let's say, $200,000 per operation X, whatever this operation is, you earn $200,000 for an operation from the insurance companies. Are you motivated to use positive framing to increase the likelihood of patients taking that procedure? And I would argue yes. But are patients fully aware, cognizant and conscious of the risks associated with that procedure? If you're using framing, arguably no. And so that's why I think framing it has got such massive ethical implications that people don't really think of they need to be aware of and conscious of. Politicians use framing all the time to make almost all of their arguments. And you can, if you really start to focus on this technique, you'll see it in almost any politician whenever they speak. Um, a politician who may be a hawk, a warmonger, yeah, will talk about peace and will talk about the importance of humanity and humanitarian aid. And simply by creating that frame of humanitarianism around them, everything else is viewed in that light, right? And that is incredibly powerful and, and, and really dangerous as well, because then the general population tend to believe that that person is a humanitarian, even though their actions may deliberately show that they are, in fact, hawkish and a warmonger. So these are challenges that we as humans face in deconstructing the language that we consume, be it in marketing, be it in politics, be it in life. The frames that are used to understand any given situation directly impact our view of that situation. And so, you know, I think, because I've done this for so long, I, I sort of spot it. And it's one of those, the framing effect is one of those strange things that when you become aware of it, it's no longer a mystery and you kind of spot it all the time, right? It's like if I said to you, how many red cars did you see today? Well, you probably don't know how many red cars you saw today. But if I asked you first thing in the morning, be conscious of the fact that you're going to see red cars today because I'm going to ask you about it and that was, that was part of your consciousness, you'd have an answer for me. I saw seven red cars because you'd notice the red cars as it was happening. And the frame, understanding of the frame effect is kind of similar. Like now, hopefully you understand it. Hopefully I've explained it in a way that you understand it. You'll see it in everyday life. You'll see it in your businesses. <clears throat> in a previous podcast, I was talking about how sometimes an organization's entire strategy can be shifted by one VP of sales or VP of marketing framing a failure as a success, right? And because data is so malleable, 
I don't mean you can change data. I mean that you can put, you can you can present data in almost any way, right? Um, they'll be able to present the data in a way that shows that their failure is in fact successful. And if they're really good at it, that could change the entire direction of the organization. Now, when they do that, that's an entirely personal thing that they've done for their own self-protection. And the consequences of pushing so hard is, are incredibly negative for the organization. That's why leaders need to be so aware of these techniques. And they also need to sort of stamp them out and, and call them out when it's happening so that people are aware that actually, no, that's not acceptable. No, the truth is this, whatever the objective truth is. And not allow people to use framing in order to create a perception of a situation that simply isn't true, yeah? <clears throat> so, yeah, I think framing is just an incredibly powerful psychological technique in marketing, in life, in politics. Um, so I hope that now you're a little bit more aware of what framing is, how it's used, how you can use it in the future. You know, think about if you've got kids, right? Think about how can you use framing to help them achieve the things that you want them to achieve, be that finish their food or... And complete their homework or do well in school or whatever it is. You can use framing because these, these heuristics are innate. They are part of us as human beings. Um, and uh, much like in the last episode with uh, reciprocity, framing is very, very much a human trait and you'll find it everywhere in the world. It doesn't not exist. Um, and I think that's probably true of all of, the, all of the psychological techniques that we'll talk about in the future um, Coffee with Kush episodes. So join us for the next episode uh, and we'll talk about another psychological technique in marketing.